But this idea of like changing the world is obviously that term has very little meaning anymore. Right. Um, even though you probably hear people saying it over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think it's much more powerful to think about how do you change your little corner of the world, right? So think about what is your immediate area of the world, your community, your friends group. If you can have a dream or a vision or an idea that will bring real change to that small corner of the world, mm -hmm. then there's a really good chance it will serve a greater and greater and greater portion of the world, right? So, but if you start with, I'm going to change the world, you'll probably never get there. If you start with, I'm going to change my small little corner of the world, you might get there. Now, I've been married for 21 years and man, many of those years have been working alongside of my spouse, which is wonderful and really hard at times. But today we're going to talk to a couple, Steve and Sarah Doubledam, who are entrepreneurs. Sarah's the founder of Darling Magazine. Steve's the founder of Wilderness Adventures. And you're going to hear some of the challenges and the great things about working together and how you take a risk to move towards the things that are in your heart. Enjoy this conversation with Steve and Sarah Doubledam. Hey friends, I'm Chris Bennett. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Julie. Hey everyone. Together, we're going to explore the life-changing power of family. So pull up a chair, grab a cup of coffee, and join us on Finding Family. Right, today's episode is one that we've been looking to for a very long time. These are our new, but feel like old friends, um, Sarah and Steve Doubledam. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Happy Thanks to be here. Us. Um, well, uh, why don't we start with this? Because uh, for people that don't know, maybe tell us a little bit about what you guys are involved in. I mean, Sarah, you're the founder and CEO of Darling, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. Um, Steve, you're the founder and I know co-founder with, with Sarah of Wilderness. So I just love for you guys to tell a little bit about you guys and about Darling and Wilderness. Sure. I can go first because Steve and I met when I was starting Darling actually, and been have been talking about it for a really long time and it was just a dream. And, you know, he was more of a seasoned entrepreneur than I was and said, I'd love to help you do this. Well, let me build your website. Let me design your logo. And it was really fun that we were able to really get that off the ground together while we were dating and then get married in that process. And so definitely, you know, that's been 10 years that we've been doing Darlene. And so, you know, Darlene has um, started as a print magazine with a digital component and it has grown into a lot of things over the years into events and brand partnerships and now product. So it's become a more of a lifestyle company and a, you know, media company that's focused on helping women find self-esteem and identity and really getting away from a lot of the negative mm -hmm. lies of culture with the different perspectives. So we have a really strong mission statement that we started with from the beginning that really carries everything we do and all the different iterations that the brand takes, you know, along the years. And as media changes and the world's changing, we're just trying to further that mission through so many different ways. So it's um, continuing to move forward with all kinds of, you know, exciting things that we're working on. So yeah, that's, that's darling in a nutshell. 
Love it. I love it. What about you, Steve? Tell us about wilderness. Yeah, sure. So a couple years into helping Sarah get Darling off the ground, um, I had an idea for sort of a new type of adventure guiding business, which I call Wilderness Collective. And the big idea was to use adventure as this catalyst for creating moments of transformation for people. So taking folks on big, larger than life trip of a lifetime experiences where on those trips, people would have opportunities for relational growth, for spiritual growth, for physical growth, um, you know, all these different kind of, yeah, transformational moments that were possible for people in the context of these adventures. So that's, that's the business that I started. So it's all inclusive guided trips. A lot of it's off-road. So off-road motorcycle trips, off-road four wheelers, snowmobile trips. So we've done all kinds of different things, but that's sort of what we do. Uh, Our emphasis is on the Southwest. So we, we operate in California, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, uh, Mexico. So that's wow. that's it in a nutshell. Bro, it's it's super hard. So Wait, bad. is it just for men? It's not just for men. Um, I would say a lot of our customers are men, but we've got um, some really cool couples trips. We do a lot of family trips. We do a, a specific type of trip that's for fathers and their kids called dads oh, yeah. and kiddos. And those Amazing. are really fun, really special as well. Yeah. So I have wrecked a golf cart when I was in ninth grade, when I was um, president of my junior high choir. It's a long story. I don't want to brag or talk about it, but I also wrecked a tiny little Honda motorcycle and hit a butane tank and almost blew up a village um, when I was in. So do I, would I still be allowed to come and ride this equipment? I, <laughs> oh yeah. You just need to sign the waiver. Yeah, yeah. Sign the waiver. He might need more than one, but, uh, <laughs> can I have a driver? Oh, anyway, man. We'll, we'll come back to that later. Well, um, sounds epic. Sounds amazing. Maybe I'll talk to you more offline later about that. Cause I, I've got a senior in high school that I, I want to take on an yeah. epic trip. So this could be it. Well, um, yeah, I know you guys are entrepreneurial and these aren't the only businesses you've started, right? Because is it true that you've had multiple companies you guys have dabbled in and maybe some took off and maybe some didn't? Darling's yeah, my I, only one, but Steve has yeah. a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Darling, Sarah's got a better track record. The one business that she started is still going. Wow. Uh, go. For me, yes. yeah, yes. I, I've actually been dabbling in business for probably 15 years or so. So I started a couple clothing uh, companies about you know, 15 years ago. Um, one, two of them were like a uh, premium denim brands and then did a luggage and bag accessory brand after that. And so mm-hmm. I've, I was in the apparel space for about seven or eight years. Uh, that's what brought me to LA originally. So yeah, I've definitely, you know, had my share of startup, uh, successes and failures along the way. What's the number one thing you'd say that you've learned from those? Not that they were all failures, so a strong word, but maybe not going what you thought to get to where you are. What would you say? What's uh, some wisdom you have in the journey oh, creating? Um, I suppose it's to reframe your failures as teaching moments for the next thing, right? Because it'd be easy for me to look at my past career and say, Hey, that looks like a whole bunch of false starts. You know, this business lasted yeah. for a couple of years. This one, you know, fell apart because of the economy, this, this, and that. But if you reframe it and think, well, I got essentially two MBAs worth of education in the seven, eight years that then prepared me to get to a spot where I could start 
the current businesses which we're running, which are both about a decade old now. So it's kind of reframing that because this the if you truly are an entrepreneur, the key to entrepreneurship is being able to like rise from the ashes of mm-hmm. whether that's a company that didn't work out or an idea within your current company that didn't work out. You've got to just get really comfortable with trying again and trying again and picking yourself up and trying again, you know, not getting disheartened by yeah. what could be perceived as failures. It's really good. Well, and it seems like those failures, you know, if you do learn from them, can tend to be the things that we created that we never would have created otherwise. Like a lot of it comes out of that space of, oh, okay, I tried this, didn't work. And it helps even almost refine the vision of the thing that you actually care deeply about, right? Um, Unless we could all be like Sarah when like first time, like, bam. (laughs) let it be let it be lord um so what has been so you guys obviously help create darling together um sounds like you guys have an incredible partnership um what is what has been amazing and awesome and what has been hard working together and then what would you do differently now looking back i think what's been amazing for me is just you know having steve come alongside a vision of mine. Like it's definitely wasn't his dream to start a women's magazine in life, you know, but just through caring for me and seeing how passionate I was about the mission of Darlene and coming in and saying, you know, let me use some of my skill set to help you and really just sacrificing that like so much time, so many late nights, you know, helping me fix in design files as he's super tech savvy, you know, or, or just things like that. That's just been really meaningful and sacrificial and helped that really bond us and our marriage and the idea of, you know, seasons that, you know, you might have to help your spouse with something that's really important to them and set aside something you're doing, you know, cause you can't do everything at once. Like something's got to give. And so that's been really, really cool. And I'm really grateful for that. The time that we've had and it's been a lot of ups and downs you know when you're starting a business it's just so hard financially you have so many wins and so many losses and so many failures and being able to walk through those with him has been amazing because you know as he mentioned having other companies that he started that you know especially when you're young they're so meaningful to you and they become a part of your identity and then losing that and going through that process of, you know, seeing your worth apart from what you do. And so I think that we've both learned that together. So we hold both our businesses pretty loosely. We're like, yeah, these are great. And we're doing this right now. And, you know, hoping it's touching people. And, but if we lost them, we would be able to do something else, you know? So it's just been cool to be able to share so many of those experiences together and lift one another up along the process. So we've kind of done like ministry together since we were 19 and we're, I mean, now we're 23. So it's weird. No, I'm kidding. Um, but we've been doing it for a very long time. Why am I laughing at you guys? <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, you know, there's like Julie's <laughs> has, funny. you know, personality wise, gifting wise, very I'm an Enneagram eight and he's okay. a nine. I don't even know fully what Got that it. means. <laughs> means you're a peacemaker and I want to bulldoze the next mountain and you can't. <laughs> the opposite. Yeah. But you know, when it's you're young and well. those things are less refined and less mature, I mean, they can, you can bump against each other a lot. And then the older you get, and if you work through your stuff and we're all in process, you start to appreciate those things. But I also know it's like really challenging 
to work with your spouse in some way. It's rewarding. It's really challenging. So I don't know. I just wonder how you guys, I hear the really awesome parts. What what have been some of the the challenges though? Because I think um, not everybody, well, I don't know if everybody can work well with their spouse, but it seems like you guys have found that. What are some of the challenges you guys have had to overcome in terms of even being wired differently and how you communicate or see things? Yeah. And maybe what you would do differently out of learning what was hard. I or have you never had us, any problems? Yeah, we just haven't had any problems. We've never had a fight. <laughs> well, I think we're done here. Thank you guys marriage. so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, the whole working with your spouse thing, uh, it's a complex topic, I think. Some people feel, I think there's maybe an idea out there that like, you should be able to work with your spouse. And if you can't work with your spouse, great. Mm-hmm. That is some sort of like... Mm-hmm. measure of your relationship and your compatibility, which I just don't think is true. I think first you've got to ask yourself, like, are you relationally compatible in a work setting, yeah. right? Like, are your working styles compatible? Just like another team member at your business, you could have an incompatible working style, but you could have a good relationship outside of work. So it's important to get clear and be aware on that. Um, I think what helped us, um, cause I will say like, we've been great at working together. We've accomplished a lot of things together. Uh, some of the challenges I think for us came when we were working on the actual same task together or the same, like, cause you can work on the same project or the same company, but we're kind of like, you know, in parallel lanes going beside each other, like Sarah, you're doing this, I'm doing this, that worked really well for us. I if I think about sometimes where we would have conflict arising from work, it's maybe if we're like literally doing the same project together. So whether that's like laying out a magazine, we're both sitting at the same desk, we got it up on the computer and that is, was challenging for us. So I think where we found synergy is delineating between like, okay, you know, this is like your role and this is your role, but then there's, we're coming together in either, the the bigger vision that is unified or kind of the the accomplishment of the goal that is unified i mean the benefit of working together with your spouse through the ups and downs is it's just the power of shared experience right yeah. because yeah when you're not doing the same literal business together and you come home from work and it's how is your day it's you can explain it all you want but your spouse isn't going to be able to feel the the highs and lows, um, they can only feel it as much as you can communicate it. Whereas with Sarah and I, especially in the early years when we were doing Darling together very closely, we were doing all those highs and lows were experienced together. And so that brought a lot of closeness and a good sense of partnership to us because I didn't need to explain to her why this terrible phone call that we had was a cause for stress for us or or you know whatever this deal going through was a great thing for us right we were just both in it together and when our kids were young i remember the biggest challenges we faced consistently were finding healthy habits and routines to help us in the morning and the evening to stay connected which is why we're so excited to partner with our friends at loam if you go to withloam.com backslash finding family enter in the code finding family our listeners will get one month free and on there you're going to find routines healthy habits and even some bennett family routines that we've used over the years so check it out and enjoy this episode sponsored by loam and another way you can help support the show and be more connected to the finding family community is join our patreon group 
You'll receive bonus interviews, exclusive content, a monthly Q&A with me and Julie, and lots and lots more. So check us out on Patreon. That's awesome. Thank you. So um, obviously you guys are, you know, creative and visionary. Um, you're, the fruit of your lives obviously speak of that. How would you encourage people to have and carry vision like today? I mean, I know, um, you know, with all that we've been through in the last couple of years, right? Uh, the world, especially, you know, uh, you, in, you and I, I like, wow. Yeah. Go how there. would you, what would you tell Chris and I, no, but <laughs> how would you help people? What would your encouragement be to help them have vision? Um, because it can get overwhelming. We want to all change the world and do these things. And what's a real practical thing we can do to have, like start where you are today. Um, whether it's working together, whether it's wanting to start a new business, I don't know. Yeah, Anything so you, you guys like have. step toward that? Yeah. yeah. How, how do you carry that with all, would you say, with your experience, doing mm. business, doing what you guys do, coming out of the last two years? I think that's what I'm wanting to say. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say as far as vision, you know, looking at the story of your life and mm. just, you know, the ups and downs you've had, the things that you've experienced that are unique to you, especially the pain that you've had and how you can take that and help someone else. So it's really, you know, looking, what do you have the most experience like mm -hmm. working through, you know, whether it's just yes. like emotional issues or issues with your family or health issues or business issues, whatever that thing is that you have overcome, I think often, you know, you, uniquely you hold the key to helping other people get through that. So looking at how you can use that, you know, in a, in a vision sense, because, you know, vision and passion can get really hard. Sometimes I think if it is just about you, but if it's about other people mm -hmm. that can be much more motivating. Mm -hmm. And once you see some of the fruit of that, where you're helping other people, it becomes more addictive and you want to keep doing things for other people. So just making sure that it, I would say that you feel like it's helping someone in some way, you know, that just helps keep the vision clear and keep the vision strong. At least, you know, for me, you know, for example, just going through some mental health issues with anxiety and depression and working as a model and an actress in LA and just seeing how dark those industries are and then taking that and turning that into mm -hmm. something positive like Darlene that speaks to all of those things, you know, and then bringing people in on that vision that also have similar things. It's just been really motivating, you know, and that's not to say that any business you start or anything you start has to have this like crazy like mission but I think that that's a good starting point you know it can be anything you know it can be like a laundry detergent or like any type of company it doesn't matter but like what right. is the the message and the why behind what you're like attaching to it you can attach meaning to really anything that you make so it's yeah it's just looking at yourself and what you uniquely bring to the world and then trying to tap into that if that makes sense like no, some disjointed sense. thoughts but <laughs> yeah it's good yeah, I would add to it as well. Um, you know, vision, like the concept of that is 
it almost sounds like it's so big and kind of scary that it could just freezes most people. You know, it's like, what's my vision? Like, what's, what's my path? And really it's like action is what motivates people. Action is what changes our lives, you know, not like scheming and dreaming forever because the hard thing is the longer that you scheme and plan, and dream i'm not saying those things are bad but if you if you're only doing that without taking action steps along the way then you're sort of like the vision gets bigger and bigger and bigger and scarier and scarier and harder and harder to accomplish right so like one of my mentors once said you got to find a way to like break down your dream or your vision into steps and it's like what is one thing you can do tomorrow that will move you towards this. And then you ask yourself that every single day, right? Because if you look at the whole thing at once, you know, if Sarah was to stare at a magazine news rack and myself as well, back in the day, we're like, okay, how do we make a magazine that ends up on this rack at Barnes and Noble or at Whole Foods? It's like your brain's going to short circuit. But the thing you can do tomorrow is go to that same newsstand and buy all the magazines that you like or buy the ones that are popular, go through them and figure out why are they popular? What do these have in common? What am I seeing here? What's the bigger trends that I'm seeing here? Like, and that's a practical first step towards that goal. So it's breaking it down into really tangible steps. I think another thing too, and maybe this is our generation, but this idea of like changing the world is obviously that term has very little meaning anymore. Um, even though you probably hear people saying it over and over and over again. And I think it's much more powerful to think about how do you change your little corner of the world, right? So think about what is your immediate area of the world, your community, your friends group. If you can have a dream or a vision or an idea that will bring real change to that small corner of the world, Mm -hmm. then there's a really good chance it will serve a greater and greater and greater portion of the world, right? So, but if you start with, I'm going to change the world, you'll probably never get there. If you start with, I'm going to change my small little corner of the world, you might get there. We just watched, I don't don't know if you've seen, um, In the Heights. Did you guys see that? Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Um, But it's that whole, you know, this whole community of people, it's in New York City, but literally they have this little corner store. And uh, I don't know, it's just that whole essence of there's this unbelievable community of people, but they just kind of start right where they're at and they start with their little store and then they start creating this fashion thing and it becomes something much bigger and different than they imagine. But that's to your point is I think the overwhelming thing is when we say things like, I want to change the world. And they're like, what does that actually mean? And where do I actually start? And then realizing, you know, even when you start something, like when we moved out here, we we had an idea of what we were going to do, but it's looked very different yet the vision's gotten clearer the more steps we've taken towards it. And a lot of that's been through even our own failures, but I think that's part of the clarity of vision is even trying things and some of it not working out. That's good. You know, when I think about Darling and um, uh, Wilderness, all the stuff that you guys are doing, it's so much about community too. You guys are building community. And um, what would you guys say? What does it look like to be purposeful in our gathering? And, um, where do you think people get stuck? It's kind of like change the world. Like we all should gather and do community. So go do that. Like, great. But I just came out of COVID or I just mm-hmm. had this. So what does it look like again to be purposeful and 
<clears throat> where are people getting stuck? Yeah, I would say for me, just being purposeful with gathering is really about the art of conversation and attention and curiosity. And, you know, those are three things that we really value in the darling dinners that we do where we have people put away your phone, right? Like give your full attention to people. And that's something that is crazy when you're out with people and everyone's just still on their phone, they're Mm -hmm. connecting to an alternative world than the world that they're actually sitting in. And that is very bizarre and very unhealthy for our brains. And so, you know, first, like, where's your attention? Like, are you fully attentive, you know, and then being curious about other people, just curiosity. And then that leads into, you know, asking intentional questions about life or someone else's life, you know, like reality or what they're, what they're going through. And so we both with Darling and Wilderness, you know, have a lot of different conversations that happen that are gathering Steve on his trips and then at Darling dinners that are really highly curated questions that they're not just written off the top of our head, you know, questions that don't have a yes or no answer that have perhaps a story that people can attach to them. Like the art of asking questions is really, really important, you know, even in our casual friendships, you know, so that if you go to a dinner where someone curates the evening and there's a bit of a flow to it and it feels like there's a real intention you leave feeling amazing because you had a great conversation you feel more known you feel like all the thoughts that are swirling in your head or that you've just been storing for so long you know even in times like covid you know like you're like i have so much in my head that i've been thinking about like this is all so crazy how do i get it out and share you just feel so much better when you're able to have a deep conversation so that's for us something we really value even in our personal lives with our gatherings with our friends you know how are we actually asking each other good questions and trying to make the evening shift from just small talk or talking about what's on Netflix to you know what's really going on and that can be hard that's a big roadblock for people it's hard to be the one that asks the awkward deep questions people are like whoa okay like you know we're gonna go there or or whatever they tease you about it but then once you do it and you take the first step and another person does it then more vulnerability leads to more vulnerability. And so we're really passionate about that. Just curating gatherings in a way that really leads people through an experience, not like a controlling, like now we have to do this. We have five minutes to answer this or, you know, that type of way, but it's just like a, a really natural caring type of way to bring more depth. And I think that that's what our world needs because we all really need to talk about everything that's happened too over the last two years. It's been really hard for a lot of people. Steve, I had a question specifically with, with wilderness, because I, I think every dad wants to find ways to connect with their kids, but I'd love to hear like, what's, what's been so unique about that experience of adventure and getting out and even, you know, being detached, I'm sure from screens and devices, how have you found that? Um, Because whether it'd be awesome if everybody could go on wilderness and, and let it be, but what what would what have you seen has been the impact of dads connecting with their sons in a very intentional way like that? Right. Um, there's obviously there's tremendous power in giving people your whole attention, right? And it's nearly impossible to do that in our world today without literally physically removing 
your devices, right? So on our trips, that's what we do. You know, it's like your phones get locked in a case and that case doesn't come on the trip. So the biggest gift you can give your kids is your attention. But then on top of that, when you put yourself in a distraction-free environment, which is what we talk about on our trips, it's, it's the power and the, the grandeur of nature is captivating your senses. And you're there with someone that you love, you know, whether that's your kids or whoever, and you are, you've got full attention for each other and full attention for the moment that you're in it starts to, you're starting to like really stack the deck towards a, an experience that will be a milestone marker for your relationship. Right. So it's not that you need to come on a wilderness trip to have these experiences. It's not that you have to go camping to do this. However, there's a combination of these things that, you know, you can do it in your own way, but the the basic premise is the same, right? Like create an experience that is, outside of your norm, what you normally do, make sure that there is a high emphasis on increasing the likelihood of attention and time for each other. And then if that's in any kind of like, you know, larger than life setting or memorable setting, then all of a sudden you've created this experience that you'll look back to, you know, years later where you're, when you remember the trip, you're remembering the feeling of being totally present with each other. And you're longing for that feeling of connection and and presence with each other um, more than just how fun it was for this or that. And fun is of course a big part of it. But so I think if you bring those elements together, that's where you start to really just get a more powerful equation, right? It's like, I can remember conversations that I've had with friends a decade ago, sitting out around a fire underneath the stars. And I can't, you know, you can't maybe remember a phone call that you had a month ago with a friend in such level of detail, right? There's just something about that setting. And like I said, when you, when you take care to craft an experience like that, that it, you've got a much better likelihood of it being a lasting experience where you can go deeper. And some, some conversations just take space, right? It just takes a lot of time to like cut through, you know, the first level of conversation that you have on the night one and the next night and, and then the next, you know, so it, it takes time. Um, you can't, I think what's hard in our day-to-day world where time is very scarce is we're trying to like cram. You're like, okay, want to have like a great conversation with my kid. Let's go out for dinner tonight. We got 45 minutes. Let's, let's get into it, you know? And sometimes, you know, it takes a lot more than that to get to a real level of depth. Our teenagers are showing us that every day. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. And we don't have teenagers. So check back with us in in a while. But it can be, I mean, when people say, oh, the teenage years are so hard. I'm just like, actually, it's just the best. It just takes yeah. more attention. It's the words you guys are using and the things you're creating. It takes attention and how to focus on that attention. I know Darling talks a lot about focusing on who we're becoming as women. But it sounds like both of what you guys yeah. have created and what you're doing is how can we focus on becoming dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Who we want to be as families, as parents, as friends. And um yeah. And I think it's just really amazing. I know we just have a, a couple minutes here, but it's, it's really amazing how, as I'm listening to you guys share, I've talked about how you guys have created together and where you are now and this similar vision uh, that comes as a couple as you've created you um, just the heart to, I love what you said, the attention, the curiosity, the curiosity, mm-hmm. those things that 
remind us of the beauty of our humanity and what we're made for, which really is community and love and all those things that we don't have time to go in and talk about. But you guys have just done that so well. So I just want to say thank you. And, and in such unique ways, it's not, I think what you guys have created tells us a story and listeners that it's not just one thing. Oh, well, it has to be, I'm out in nature doing this, this and that, or, okay, well, if I create this business where we're sitting around the table and we have this magazine, well, no, it's out of what we were all created for, which is immense beauty and the uniqueness of who we are. We can do those things you're talking about and it just looks different. So I think you guys are such an amazing example of that. So thank you for reminding us to be attentive um, in the craziness, especially in this isolated world we've been living in in so many different ways, like forced isolation at times. But now where our heads are merging a little bit and we can choose that the beauty of curiosity and being attentive. So thank you guys. It's really good. Of course. Thank you. Well, thanks for making space. Um, we will include your uh, Instagram handles and then your website. I know there's darlingmagazine.org and then wildernesscollective.com. We're fans of you guys. Hope we can do some stuff together and certainly go right from four wheelers if I get permission to. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, love you guys. So, so glad to talk with you. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Great thank conversation. You. Thanks. We're not done yet. Get that coffee refill because it's time to unpack. Uh, Jules, this conversation was really fun on a lot of levels because these guys have done so much. There's so many unique dynamics about who they are. We could have gone lots of directions. I, I think kind of the first was just, you know, hearing the dynamic of them working together and then kind of that second piece of how they've kind of intentionally created spaces for through Darling and through the wilderness, which is really about connection and I think kind of empowering people and, and who they are. Um, but I think, you know, as I mentioned, it, there's unique dynamics in working with your spouse. There's really yeah. wonderful things about it. Um, it's cheaper, you know, like you don't, it's cheaper. Um, but you know, there's like, we have so much shared experience. So, you know, we can finish each other's sandwiches. sandwiches. And uh, those things are extremely beneficial. But then there's also because there's such a comfort level, you can bump heads and, yeah. you know, all the stuff that comes with it. We haven't. For we sure. haven't. But we know people that have Dave and Morgan. Dave are. <laughs> so, yeah. Can we talk about how you're you were a little jealous of his hair? No, I wasn't. I was I'm very jealous derailing. of his hair. Uh-oh. He pulls his hat off and it's like flowing yeah, beautiful hair. Yeah. It was beautiful hair. Yeah. <laughs> he said I could do that before we start recording. He's like, nah. Yeah. Nah, I can't. I feel like we've talked about your hair thinning okay, on this podcast before. Okay. Well, we need like a sponsorship from like a hems or something about <laughs> just for me. Okay. And how many times have I told people that I'm an Enneagram 8? Oh, like the fifth every time. time. Guys, I don't know if I'm feeling insecure in say. that. Know if I'm like I need to make a point. I don't know, or yeah. maybe it's just I like the enneagram. Maybe it's it's fascinating. Identity and we need to work through that a little okay, bit. Okay, cool. No, anyway, I I think that the part when she talked about because like with darling, even though that's obviously all catered towards women. Why are you, giggling? <laughs> you guys, I got the giggles. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, keep going. Grow up, Julie. I realized when I said something a, about your prof- hair th- thinning, you were a little offended and wanted oh, to move on It's quick. doing better, though. It's Sorry. actually doing better. I, I lay hands on it every day. I really do. <laughs> we'll just get you a little yarmulke. I know. That's fine. It's I will wear a yarmulke. Guys, he's so hot. He knows. Oh he's my secure. gosh. Okay. okay. Anyway, <laughs> on. Here's, here's what I appreciate it. Darling is very much like 
catered towards women, obviously. But I love that kind of the the formation of it was Steve coming alongside, bringing like his strengths and things he could to support her and even like the sacrifices he made for Darling to take off. And I think that's the reality is like if you're working with your spouse. (laughs) You guys, I'm so sorry. (laughs) We're going to keep rolling. What you're saying is so good. I know what I'm saying. It's Mm. good. I just no, but I think when you work with your spouse, even if they're really immature, (laughs) like if your spouse is like a third grade emotional level, you know, and point is, it's always going to require sacrifice. Right. And I think about how much I've sacrificed for you. (laughs) No, I just think like at times, whether it was in ministry context or even the things we're doing now, the, the beautiful part is like, if your spouse is mature enough, you can, <laughs> you know, you bring something that, oh, oh my gosh, what is happening? You're doing good, babe. Anyway. You bring something, finish that. No, I just think that the more mature we've become, the yes. more honor that is in our marriage is the things that used to drive me crazy about you when we were younger mm. and less <laughs> mature mm-hmm. are the things I appreciate now. And it doesn't mean we don't still bump heads, but I like, oh, right. I can appreciate. I know in any given setting, oh, you're going to bring this part that I'm like not great. And whether that's in parenting or like even on the podcast, you're going to be able to say something in a way that I'm like, oh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we're not com- in competition. No, it comes down to, I mean, maturity. That, I mean, obviously we use that word like, I mean, mature to do this, mature to do that. But Unless you're giggling in the middle of a... Okay. Um, it was funny. Guys, I need to laugh. That's all I got to say. Um, I hope you laughed with me too. Me? No, them. Um, but no, the growth of working together over the years, um, which obviously our context was different than theirs, um, but has been, there's like a development that comes as you, like we should be growing every year, right? We should grow year by year by year, every one of us. And it has been fun to work together as much as we have and fight for the things that matter and know when to let go of the things that don't. Mm -hmm. And I don't think if we didn't learn to do that, um, it got messy at times, but we wouldn't be where we are now. So for sure here, here's what I loved is that one of the things they do when they talk about intentionality is creating environments like the distraction free environment. And it's funny, Julie, how many times when we're talking to one of our kids, we refer back to a trip in Colorado like mm-hmm. six, seven years so ago true. when we went on a hike and a conversation we had that was like mm-hmm. a marked conversation. Yeah. And and so much of that trip, and it's not the only one we've had that's been intentional and great, but so many memories from that trip was that they were so mm-hmm. present, so connected. It was before our kids had cell phones. And as much as we try mm-hmm. to manage um, I've just, I mean, we've seen how Ooh, like managing without controlling. Somebody talked totally. to me about that. Yeah. Like <laughs> devices have robbed so many meaningful moments and conversations, but I think how do you create these dis- distraction free environments of connection? And you don't have to go on a, obviously a wilderness trip to do that, but I don't know that, that was the big thing. And I think if you've got enough, what you know, equity in the bank, like with your kids, I mean, uh, we got a lot of heart with our kids, but we try and like deposit into that <laughs> over the years where this was just, I mean, about a month ago, we went on like a new year's hike and we were going to see this waterfall. And, um, one of our kids was like, ah, oh, but I got all this homework later and was a little disgruntled, didn't want to go, mm-hmm. um, made them all leave. Well, I say all my children boys have phones. 
leave them in the car. Mm -hmm. And I will say that was a marker that day. Like my conversation I had with my two oldest boys, priceless, probably because I pulled out my back and I was taking baby steps for like miles. And Mm so they had to stay back with me because I could barely move. But you know what? Thankful for that because there was something they were thankful that their phones were left in the car. That's what I mean about depositing in something where it's not like, I'm so mad. I'm so annoyed. That was such a waste of my day. It was like, Oh, okay. I see why this was so great. That kind of thing. And those things are important, which they talk about that obviously on their wilderness trips. Um, the purposeful, uh, how to be, or how to be purposeful in gathering darling has created such an incredible narrative around that. And then displayed that so well, um, for the world speaking of changing the world no um and and just when they talk about the intention uh, being attentive you know and curious and how they create that around the table when they do the dinners how we can do that as families it's i would say it's this still the biggest thing for me that i have to constantly work at is being present and how am i present by being making sure that I'm able to be attentive. It can't be a good idea that we try to do. You can't sit around the table with your phone and like, I'm going to be present, but I still got to check these texts. It doesn't yeah, I work. Think, I think what we're learning is life. Kids get older. Life doesn't get easier. It gets busier in a lot of ways. And you have to plan for intentionality. You know, I mean, certainly yeah. we have dinner together every night around the table. We do these things that are rhythms, but really schedule wise, we've been looking at like this and neither of us are great planners and schedulers, but I think we're realizing is it's kind of true. Things moving very quickly, and okay, spring break, summer. Like, what are some intentional things we can actually put on the calendar? So I would just encourage you by listening. Intentionality doesn't come on the fly. I mean, it really comes through thinking through what are the needs of my family, what are the things that I can put in place, even on the calendar, and and then how do I create these moments, these even distraction-free environments, and and you can start. At dinner, like that could be a good place to start with. Hey, we're not going to have phones and we're going to actually have intentional Amen. questions. And and even if you're not wanting to go work with your spouse and start a business or whatever, it may look, you might think that that doesn't relate to you, but it does relate in the fact that you're doing life together and what it looks like to be on the same team and support each other, whether you are staying at home with your kids, um, whether you're working or whether you're single and um, you're working with a partner that's a close friend or roommate or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's still applicable to yeah. everyone. Well, we really love these guys. Um, follow along their journey, ways you get plugged in through Darling and through Wilderness. And I uh, hope you enjoyed our conversation much as we did with Steve and Sarah Doubledam. We'll see you next time on Finding Family. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> really funny. Finding Family. Thank you so much for listening today. The best way you can help us get this message of family out to the world is by taking a minute to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and please share. You can also visit our site, findingfamilypodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram to stay connected. And one more thing. Have you ever listened to an episode and found yourself wanting to hear more from our guests or thought, man, I'd sure love to get more connected with Chris and Julie. I know you have. If so, you can become a member of our Finding Family Patreon and receive exclusive content and ways to interact with us and our community. Just go to findingfamilypodcast.com and subscribe. Thanks again to our sponsors at Loam. You can learn more by going to withloam.com backslash findingfamily. This episode was produced by Dave Hanso and edited by Will Cotterall and is a production of Welcome Home Entertainment. Original music written and performed by Drew Holcomb.